Money Talks. Yeah, Marcus says, is the song I Think We're Alone Now by Tiffany? Um, no, maybe tonight by the fire, all alone, you and I. It can only be one song with us now is Gilly. Hello, Gilly. Hello, um, Willow. Oh, Gilly. Hello. You it's s- Gilly. It's Gilly. It's Gilly. Is, is it Gilly? Gilly, you sound like a um, Neil Diamond fan. Yes. <laughs> did he get it straight away? Because it's quite... I mean, it Immediately. Could... Oh, did you? Immediately. Yeah, it was my late mum's favourite song. She used to get up and dance every time. So, oh. Yeah. And the thing is, you, you can't go past a Neil Diamond song, can you? No, you absolutely can't. Mm. Georgie, are you a fan of Neil Diamond? Well, George? you'll be a woman soon. Yeah. That's my favourite. Yeah. yeah. What about what about you, James? Yep, I can remember my parents had the Hot August Night LP, the double LP, and he's in his denim with the flying hair at the Greek theatre. All denim. <laughs> All denim. All denim. Rocking triple denim. Oh, yeah. lovely. Yeah. What What are you doing this afternoon, Jilly? Oh, I just I just dropped one of my children at dancing, and then we're going out for dinner for the other one's birthday. She's just turned 12 today. Oh, happy birthday, 12 years old. Jilly, thank you for being with us on the panel. No problem. Thanks, Wallace. Um, I disagree strongly with your panellists. Asking if it's okay to hug is respectful and considerate of other people's needs. Some people find hugs uncomfortable. If it's awkward for you, get over yourselves. Wow. (laughs) That's me told. We did say if you had to ask, don't hug. So there you go. Chill out. All right, thank you for that. Now, uh, oh yeah, gosh, there's a lot about there's a lot about asking for hugs. We might have returned to that on the panel another time. Uh, but to this, um, for many of us, this is the last word in comedy. You're a comedian, Jane, or used to be. What's this? This is uh, this is those four people that live in New York. This is oh, Kramer, friends, and George, and yeah, yeah. Uh, Elaine. That's and, right. Yeah. Seinfeld, in every way, a legend. And uh, yes, it is. Yes, he is. But is he enough of a legend that you would pay? Are you waiting for it? Eight hundred and forty-nine dollars and ninety cents to see Jerry Seinfeld's stand-up show. Well, that's what audiences in Aotearoa are being asked to pay to see him next year in Auckland and in Christchurch. With us uh, is entertainment writer Chris Short, and it's a question that he's been mulling over. Uh, he wrote about it in a boilerroom.substack.com. Chris, good to have you on. Jordan sure Wallace, I'm uh, very keen to discuss my favourite topic with you, and that's the increasing cost of concert and event ticket prices. Well, yeah. well, firstly, can I ask you this? When you saw the when you and be honest, when you first saw that price, were you shocked? I was. Yeah, I was. Look, I, I buy a lot of concert tickets, and yeah. I go to a lot of events. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've noticed over the last year that, that ticket prices have been going up. What used to cost maybe 60 or $70 for a show at the power station is sort of 90 or 100 A Spark Arena show that used to be maybe like 100 or 110 is now sort of 140 150 So I've, I've gotten used to paying a bit more for those events, and I think, you know, we all have, right? Everything's going up. We're used to paying more for groceries and petrol and everything else. Uh, but, yeah, 850 plus booking fees, I might add, probably placing, pl- taking it closer to $900 
for a single front row ticket to Jerry Seinfeld is uh, probably some kind of record. I mean, yeah, you you said that you've been to 1,200 shows plus. So, James, you've got your $900 ticket to Seinfeld. Uh, you'd be a big fan. Then you might have a couple of pre-drinks. Maybe go out for a nice light dinner somewhere. $1,000, $1,100 for a night out. Boom. Yeah, I think it's something that almost calls for a Seinfeld sort of response of saying, why are you paying $800 to make somebody laugh? Can I pay $400 and just get a chuckle? How much for a smile? Yeah. $5. How much for a hug? Ask for a hug. 75 <laughs> Yeah, so, but bear in mind, it's those, those prices are front row. Those are front row seats. So there's, there's context Well, what we say to that, Chris? Yeah, they are. They, that's for the very front rows. If you go a little further back, they're 800 If you go to, like, the middle of the floor, they're around 600 If you go up into the stands, they're around 550 The ticket I got is as far back from the stage as you could possibly get. It's way up. Spark Arena's the nosebleeds of the nosebleeds. I got a $100 ticket. It's right in front of the black curtain. It's dropped down. Right, so there's a there's a curtain between me and the, basically the back of the venue. Uh, so he is offering, you know, across the spectrum prices. If, if you do want to see him, $100 is pretty reasonable. I don't think I'm going to have a, what is it, $750 lesser of an experience than someone in the front row. I would argue, actually, that the front row is the place you don't want to be at a comedy festival uh, with Jerry Seinfeld on stage because he's known for picking on the front row. It's all stand-up comedians are. You may end up being part of the show. Uh, yeah, uh, and it's worth knowing that uh, in this show and actually in all other shows, there are varying degrees of ticket prices. And as Chris says, he's got one right at the back, I think, what, section 19U or seat 754. <laughs> uh, Georgina, what's your take mm. on this? Not a Seinfeld fan, got a, got fan so uh, would not be paying that. I'm trying to rack my brain to think about the most I have ever paid for a ticket. I was very bougie one time when I had a little bit of spare cash and I flew to New York to see the musical Hamilton and the ticket was a crazy price and I got to this theatre and I was so far back I remember thinking should have splashed out an extra couple of hundred um, but yeah 800 to see Jerry Seinfeld definitely not for me yeah very responses here I'd pay 900 for the front row of Seinfeld that's actually cheap mm-hmm. uh, uh, another one here who do these people think they are Seinfeld isn't that funny <laughs> <laughs> So it's all on the Baha'i and the, the other beholder. Nonetheless, um, this is a wider issue, Chris, that event prices have been going up. And yes, cost of living, but eventing, they've been going up quite a bit and it's been quite noticeable. What do you put it down to? Yeah, great question. Uh, demand, I think, is right. probably the first mm. thing. If, if you look at the next few months, our live entertainment scene is going off unlike anything I've ever seen. Uh, you know, a few really? years ago, I wrote a story about how we were going to have like a dozen music festivals over summer. We've got more than 80 music festivals okay. happening this summer. Uh, and that doesn't include all of the standalone events, the Foo Fighters, the Pink, uh, Coldplay just announced the stadium show this morning. Mm. So... The demand is there. People desperately want to get out and experience things after two years of COVID and then earlier this year, of course, with the weather-affected events that we had. We've had three disrupted summers of live events. So that demand is there. I do get the... I have the suspicion that promoters are testing the boundaries of how far they can push it. And my big concern is that 
when one promoter puts, say, a front row Seinfeld ticket up to eight fifty, another promoter sees that and goes, well, next time, you know, they mm. sold those tickets, and most of those tickets are gone. Uh, they'll they'll see that and go, well, well why don't we try a thousand? Why don't we try eleven fifty? And so prices may continue to go up. I went to the Rest is History live show last week, so that that very very popular podcast, The Rest is History, with um, Dominic Sambrook and Tom Holland. And that was sold out. They're mm. selling out their shows all through Australia uh, as well. As you say, the appetite for entertainment, I think, is, uh, is a strong thing. This is, con- this is discretionary spend, mm. but there are people who are quite happen- happy to do that. Yeah. There, someone's asked me a really good question, Chris. And because per- personally, uh, I guess like Georgie, I wouldn't pay too much to see Seinfeld. Look, I'd pay, say, Forty-seven fifty to to, to, <laughs> to see him. I think that's a good round number. But someone's uh, someone's asked me a very curly question: How much would you have paid to see Prince Wallace? And, oh. You know, <laughs> look, I've been lucky enough to see Prince twice since in one in Melbourne, one in Sydney. But it's almost like I, I enjoyed that concert, Chris, so much. It's almost beyond price. So it doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't yeah. matter. What, what, do you, what would you say to that? I, I think that's true. I think, uh, you know, if, if the other trend rising at the moment are for these VIP experiences. Uh, you know, when you ask me if this is the most expensive concert ticket I've ever seen, well, it is for just entry to the venue. But if, if you're looking at VIP experiences, uh, 30 Seconds to Mars, Jared Leto's pretty terrible rock band are coming next year. He's selling a $1,850 VIP meet and greet experience, and that comes with uh, sort of going backstage, getting a photo with the band. Uh, are they, sorry, are they and, charging and, 1850 or are they paying you 1850 to get that experience? <laughs> uh, it's, it's Jared Leto. He wants that cash. Uh, yeah, so... so I, you know, I've spoken to promoters. They're saying that these things are selling. The demand is there from okay. fans who, who want this experience. That's amazing, really. That's uh, really, just fine before you go, Chris. Um, uh, so, a, a, as uh, a, a, an entertainment jur- journalist, uh, on the back of a very, very tough three and three and a bit years, um, it's your moment. You know, you're you're swimming in good stuff, right? It's it's incredible, yeah. It's um it's a shame our music journalism industry has sort of collapsed over mm. that time, and no yeah. one's kind of covering it. But for music lovers right now, it's sensational. It's really really something. Good on you. Nice to have you on the program, Kia ora. That is uh, Chris Schultz, entertainment writer. It's a good question, actually. I might uh, ask that tomorrow. How what what act would be beyond price for you? Don't text me. That might be. Uh, tomorrow, but while we're here and while we are talking about it, what about you? So I did see Prince when he played in Auckland at the uh, at the town hall. Town hall? Is it town hall? And no, it wasn't. No, it was no. uh, Aotea. Yeah. And the trick there was, I got from Ben, if you approach these ticket agencies or others and ask for single tickets at the end of rows, often venues will have those separately, and you can do better than actually getting them online. But I think oftentimes you go and see an artist, it's, it's not necessarily to hear the concert as much as veneration and acknowledgement of the wonderful career that they've had. So I've certainly enjoyed going to see artists who are saying it's an opportunity to see this person once in a lifetime, maybe not at their best, doesn't really matter. It's just that opportunity to see someone. I mean, for me, you know, Talking Heads got back together yeah. and toured after the most recent release of the Be- movie. Beyond but price? Beyond price, for sure. Really? Yeah, yeah Georgina? If it was Prince, I would probably sell a kidney. 
genuinely, so beyond God. price. Wow, yeah. Uh, someone says, Bill Bailey, 89 bucks, much better value than Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> Um, yeah, really interesting. Thank you very much for your comments uh, on this. Well, today, another panel show and tell. What do you have locked away in the cupboard that you are dying to tell us about? We had a letter from Charles Darwin, uh, a grandfather whose uh, green cap from his days playing alongside the great cricketer, Don Bradman. Here's another one. Peter says, I have a diary of a Kiwi soldier from the Boer War. Here's another one. Extraordinary. I have a signed photograph of Giacomo Puccini thanking my great-grandfather for sponsoring him, which enabled Puccini to compose music. Dated wow. in 1913. With us this afternoon, we've got a couple of fantastic ones as well. With us, first up, Hamish. Kia ora, Hamish. Wallace, good to be here, Quay. How are you? Oh, Carpi, very, very good, Hamish. All right, what do you have for us? Um, well, what do you like? We could do the uh, Catherine Mansfield, if you like, or the. Um, I do like the Changi Prison, the piece of wall from the Changi Prison that I'm looking at, which came with a. The Supreme Commander of the Southern Forces signed at Louis Mountbatten, and, they, and they've taken that this person went over to Changi Prison on the 60th anniversary, who was the last Goodness. person to leave, the last person to leave, and they gave him a piece of the, of the prison to bring back, which I thought was quite good. That's yeah, a, that's, that's a, interesting. That's amazing. What about the Catherine Mansfield one? Oh, yes, no, that's the, the, that was the brass knob. So the gentleman's father was a, a con... Was, very interested in Mansfield and his wife went to her first house which was before the motorway was built so there's the Thornton house now but this was a previous one and the builder well the, obviously they were knocking it down and she asked if she could have one of those remember the crystal knobs used to have sometimes on the inside of doors and interior yes and then they said no but you can have the front door knob so of course when you get these things you want the provenance and there's a whole thing written out where she went to them and asked them, and there it was, a photograph of it on the house, and I bought the door mob as well, <laughs> as you do. That's amazing, isn't it? But I think the Auckland uh, University fire scheme would have to be the winner of the day. What, what is that? Well, I mean, it's a, it's a fire screen, which they used to do, horrible English scenes. Occasionally you get one of a kainga of a Maori village. This one is beaten, repasse we call it. I bought it last week, and it's the Auckland University. But who would think of doing that? That's amazing. I really love the... It's, it's amazing what value, what's imbued in an object Georgina. You know, something as simple as a doorknob, but this is from Catherine Mansfield's mm. place, you know? Oh, it's incredible. I, and I think in New Zealand we have these like un, sort of untouched wonders often just in random places. I, I did mm. the Otago cycle um, track earlier this year. There's this tiny little village and there was just these books that were coming up to t- 200 years old sitting in this abandoned schoolhouse that the door was permanently unlocked and um, it was incredible. Anywhere else it would be behind a sort of you know fiberglass screen. Yeah. And um, But yeah, I've got nothing good in my in my closet, so <laughs> not much to contribute. Nice one. Hey, Hamish, thanks for your time. Kia ora. No problem, Wallace. Thank that you. That is Hamish there with a uh, doorknob from Catherine Mansfield's place. And with us now we have Trish in, in Nelson. Hello, Trish. Hi, Nelson. Uh, hi, Wallace. Hi. It's Tish. Oh, Tish, Hello. sorry. Hello, Tish. All right, what do you have for us? 
I have a, a sort of memento from a visit from Prince Charles when he came to Botswana, where I was working, and it's a little wooden two-part bowl um, with his crest on the top, the feathers, um, Prince of Wales feathers, and a signed photograph of him in a green leather frame. Isn't that amazing, James? That's incredible. So what was the year for, for that? Um, 1983, he came to Botswana on a safari and I was asked to cook for him. Can you remember what you cooked? Um, yes, I have a whole list of it, but um, basically vegetarian food and very simple meals. Um, and he thanked us for the meals being simple because wherever he had been there, People trying to impress him with big banquets, and we just had a starter, main course, and dessert. That's so, just amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's just isn't it? Isn't this extraordinary, Georgie? It's absolutely incredible. I just think it's amazing to hear what people. Um, I like this segment. I have never not caught this on the panel um, before, yeah. Wallace. So it's awesome. Well, it's something, isn't it? It's, Trish, it's something. Sorry, Tish. It's something that we can all relate to, eh? Because it's what we used to do as kids. Can you recall being, uh, you know, a, a little six-year-old, and you'd be so excited because you had something to show. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But sometimes you just put them away in the cupboard and you never pull them out or talk about them. So no. I thought, well, this is maybe time for this little artifact to come out and get an airing. Yeah. So uh, you got a, you got a, a small uh, t- turned two-part wooden container with an embossed silver top with the Prince of Wales feathers given to you mm. by Ch- uh, Prince Charles. By the way, when you cooked for him, I mean, wh- what was he like? Uh, just very um, down to earth, very, very amenable, very friendly, talked to us all. We'd sit in the bar. They were just the owners of the camp, uh, four of them and myself. And after dinner, we all sat together around the same table because he didn't want to be separated. So we all sat around the table and him and his staff, they flew in by helicopter and Every day we would go with him, one of us from the camp, and uh, take the packed lunch and we'd put it out. So we sat with him in the helicopter and we could hear him talk to the pilots and admiring all the game they could see. And it was really special just being a very few people. It was, The camp was on an island, so in the middle of the Alcavanga Delta. So there was only his party and us. It's great. It's a great story, Tish. Really great story. Thank you for being with us this afternoon. Oh, it's a pleasure. Nice to chat. Oh, nice to chat. Nice to chat indeed. Uh, so that's our panel show in town. You are on the panel on RNZ. We've got a bit of time actually left because uh, one of our, our guests, we, we, we were going to talk, be talking about um, uh, millions of litres of water saved um, by um, actually changing the way you flush your toilet. But our wonderful guest hasn't picked up. So we've got uh, time. We might sort of get some more show and tells for you. Here we go.
I've got a, uh, in the cupboard, I've got a Japanese yen note that my grandfather exchanged with a prisoner of war for a pack of cigarettes at Featherston Camp prior to the shooting uh, escapade. Another one here, I have a square of red cupboard that was laid out for Bill Clinton on his visit here. We'll try and get you on, actually. (laughs) Stay there. I'm standing by waiting for my call on the panel. Hold out right there and we'll try and get you on. What about you, James? What I was going to say is this idea of them being in the closet and coming out all of that sort of stuff. People and the provenance. People want things like that makes you think of the repair shop, right? Those wonderful yes. items with the stories. Now, if there are people in New Zealand and you have something like that and it needs refreshing and juzzing and fixing, approach your local men's shed. There are some mm. guys at the men's shed with wonderful skills, and you. So, if you've got something that is a treasured heirloom, memento, but it does need a bit of freshening up or fixing, then think of the repair shop. Men shed in lots of places around the country. Go That's in and see idea. them, talk to them. They'll be able to help you for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, just uh, some more. Uh, just some. Uh, actually, just finally uh, on the panel, let's go to one more because uh, well, there's been so much such a response here. Recently, I found an old envelope containing two postcards to my father from his brother who was in a German prisoner of war at the time. Now, uh, also, I'm so excited about this one because I wanted to uh, get to this. Um, We have someone who has a signed photograph of uh, Puccini thanking um, their great-granddad. Welcome to the panel. Hello. Good morning. Good afternoon, Wallace. Oh, what's your name? My name's Paula. Paula? I'm so excited about this. This is absolutely (laughs) extraordinary. Tell me. It's it's pretty cool. I'm um, I'm from San Francisco. Uh, I've lived here 41 years, and my great-grandfather and grandfather were from Lucca, Italy, and that's where Puccini's from. And my great-grandfather was a businessman who sponsored him and gave him money. And um, years later, to say thank you, my grandfather received a a postcard with Puccini's photograph and signature and an Italian saying, thank you very much for your support. Wow. Oh, that's just phenomenal. Amazing. Yeah, it's pretty special. Pretty special. I don't have it hidden away, though. I have it up on my wall. Oh, I'm, I'm stunned. I'm speechless. <laughs> Puccini. Uh, and yeah. and what's, what's the date again? Eight, um, 1913. 1913. And nonetheless, uh, needless to say, this this would take pride in place, pride in place. This is not hidden away, Paula. No, no, it's not. It's in my dining room, and I'm very proud of it and my Italian heritage. So, yeah. Oh, that's just wonderful. Thank you for that. I really appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Thanks, Paula. Very good. That's been another instalment of uh, the panel show and tell. And thank you for all the nuggets uh, that uh, came through. There's so many more. I'm not going to sort of read out any more. Uh, just a bit of feedback here. Uh, Wallace, I have got three sons. This is back to Georgina's uh, I've been thinking. I've got three sons and none had a phone until 17, which they bought themselves. They had no problems at school and I urge all parents to make the rules and protect their kids from the dross that is on the web targeting mm. kids. Mind you, 17 that sounds a bit late, doesn't it, Georgie? No, I completely oh. support that. There is a huge growing international movement um, around this, and I, I hope that by the time my son is of that age, um, there'll be more parents that do this. 17, though. Come on, George. Nah, get, nah. get, get real, James. Well, also, I, thought, I think you know, if you're talking about a home environment, mum and dad have to be role models as well, right? It's mm. got to apply to everybody. 
Oh, you absolutely. Can't, you can't oh, sort of sit there with flicking through Twitter telling your child not to be playing games. That's, that's a bit you? hard. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I agree with that. Absolutely. We have very strict rules in my home about this. But mm. no, I mean, I think 17 might sound old, but, you know, you, you're giving your child pornography if you're giving them a phone. Oh, okay. Rob. End on that line. Yeah. <laughs> now, wonderful, wonderful panel both, Georgie Stigliano and James Alec Cura. Uh, big thanks to you, to my producer, Andrew Williams. See you tomorrow, 3.45.